everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pogolski. Today, we're going to dive into testosterone replacement therapy with my guest, Jay Campbell. Jay is not a doctor, but Jay has become a worldwide authority on TRT and how to do it correctly for you. Now, we must say in advance, we do not recommend or condone doing this stuff on your own in a shotgun approach. Go see your doctor. Get yourself tested. Do it correctly because it's not a simple myopic approach of doing one thing and taking testosterone. You bump your testosterone levels up. Other things happen. You need to learn how to manage those things. And we also talk about the common things that guys are doing that may be doing wrong. So from anti-estrogens to HCG and uh, other peptides that are um, very common that maybe are being misused. And we also talk about the negative implications of visceral fat and how it's probably contributing to, to a lot of disease, at least in Jay's opinion. Um, estrogens, what is ideal estrogen? Should it be high? Should it be low? And how do we manage it? Um, we talk about some of the stigmas around TRT and how to optimize testosterone naturally. Um, there's a lot of great info in here. Now, I will say Jay is not a doctor. Uh, Jay is just a well-read, well-researched man who uh, travels around teaching people about testosterone replacement therapy. So there's a lot of doctors out there. Just because he's not a doctor doesn't mean he's not an authority, right? So there's a lot of doctors out there who, you know, once they finish med school, they're done and, and they don't understand um, the current research. They're not staying up to date with what's really current in all medicines. They're just, you know, experts at what they're experts at. And Jay just happens to be someone who's made this a passion of his. He's wrote a book on it called The TRT Revolution, which you guys can absolutely check out. Um, and without further ado, here is my conversation with Jay Camp. I'm actually okay with alienating people when it comes to that spiritual stuff because you, you realize it's just... They're not there yet. Right. And so when I, when I started this business in 2011, my muscle building business, I was really okay with alienating people with muscle building because I realized that not everyone's there. Eventually, like if they're an intelligent person, they're going to go down that path. And the same thing is what I realized with the spiritual thing, right? Is like if they're actually an intelligent person, it's almost inevitable. And I talk about that with my journey with like this, uh, this climbing of the proverbial mountain where I was, I was ascending the mountain of muscle, right? I was like, yeah, I want to get to be the biggest guy in the world. And that was all I wanted to do. And you get there, you're like, oh, wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It didn't fulfill me. It didn't make me confident. So I believe that life is the same way. Mm-hmm. Whether you're trying to accumulate money or muscle or material goods or, or whatever, there's always this natural transcendence of uh, material external things. So then inevitably the journey turns internal for everybody. And obviously it seems like you've realized that that as well, right? There's everyone, you know, as, as, as a man, I think it's kind of in our genetic code to pursue external things, exactly. to, to validate our masculinity. I'm a man, I went hunting and I did X, X Y, and Z. I Check found the best wife. wife. Yeah, I found the best wife. I made kids, I've proven myself. Fuck, now what do I do? <laughs> right, and then you go, oh, that was all bullshit. Now the journey is within. Becoming now a better person. the cave, man. Right, now I need to become a better person. Now I need to become a better dad. Now I actually need to start treating other people well rather than, you know, running people over to go catch the, the bison or the fucking lion or whatever the hell I was chasing, right? So this, um, this internal journey now, it's about chasing wisdom. Now it's about chasing leadership and greatness. And that's where I am now in my life, right? It's like, yes, I still love the physical journey, but you realize it's just, you know, maybe the smallest piece of the puzzle or one of the small pieces of the puzzle. Now the, the true um, journey worth pursuing, the only one worth pursuing is this internal journey of spirituality. Man, tell me about your spiritual uh, beliefs and, and where you are now and how that happened. 
So it's a great question. First, it's an honor to be here today. Thanks for being I here, man. I appreciate yeah. being here. I'm it's really grateful you, you came in to hang out, and, and we've had some great time together. Yeah, we have, man. Yeah. And you're an amazing person. Thanks, man. And I mean that. I say that from the heart. Thank you. Um, so my spiritual journey, you know, 100,000 foot summary is uh, seven years old. I ran out of the back of Catholic Church. My dad chased me out. He's like, what's going on? You know, and I'm like, I'm not coming back there. It's, it's whatever, right? And then I think from there I progressed like a lot of guys do. Um, and, I, and I was raised Catholic, of course. Um, from there, just because kind of, you know, through high school I started reading. I started reading books on, you know, an, the ancestry and ancient uh, understanding of mankind and where we came from and, you know, all those different questions that I was forming at the, those ages. And I think I kind of went to, in the end of my uh, high school years, um, atheism. You know, I just started doubting everything. Like, this can't be anything. This is legitimate. Went to college, um, you know, graduated um, with an international relations degree, bunch of different minors, um, and became much more liberalized, I would say, in my thinking. Now, I wouldn't say progressive as of today from that combination, but just an understanding that, you know, things are not as they seem. And then from there, I think I kind of went into agnostic, you know, becoming an agnostic or agnosticism, and then it became aliens. And then, you know, in the last four or five years, as I became much more in tune with who I am as a human being, uh, a lot of props to my wife, Monica, who's, you know, encouraged me and really been my greatest spiritual mentor. Um, I just realized that there's something bigger without trying to define it than you and me, you know, in this existence, in this realm. That's, that's exactly it, right? And like people are like, hey, man, what do you believe in? Like, I don't know what I believe in. I know right. there's something greater, but I have no idea whether it's God or Buddha or I don't energy source spirit. I have no idea, but right. like who am I to place uh, in a, my opinion on it? What does my opinion matter ultimately? Right? right. All I know is there's something greater than, and, and my kind of guiding light in life is be a good human, be a good person, like exude love, exude, exude joy, uh, be appreciative and, and treat other people well. And, life will be great. And it doesn't have to have a definition. And I think, you know, I have my, my theories and opinions about religion, um, but it is what it is. Like if it makes, if it means you're going to be a better person, fuck yeah, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like whether it's Jesus or Allah or, or Buddha or whomever, like if it means like, Hey, be a good human, that's a win for me, I think for us. Yeah. hundred percent agreement. As I was telling you, um, I got into studying the Essene and, you know, without getting into a long esoteric discussion, you know, some people who are Christian or Catholic, they think of them as like spiritual hippies or Gnostics or what whatever. Is, what is the Essene? So the Essene, uh, from my understanding of them, is essentially the easiest way to explain it, I think, is that we're technically like the secret society when, uh, and again, there's so many interpretations of Jesus. The Essene called Jesus Yeshua ben Joseph. And... Um, Again, for the time period that we understand Jesus was around 2,000 years ago. But they looked at Jesus as the teacher of righteousness. And so I think from an allegorical standpoint or a metaphorical standpoint, there's been many teachers of righteousness in you know, the ages of mankind, you know, depending on your culture, where your perspective arises from. But Jesus, to them, the Essene, were the essentially, again, they were as a secret society, they were, quote unquote, prepping earth for him t his arrival. And again, depending on your spiritual beliefs and, you know, where you come from. Um, but the Essene, their way is literally what they call the way. And the way of, again, the teacher of righteousness, Yeshua or Jesus, whatever your perspective is, is what you already said. Love, service to others, complete unconditional forgiveness, and an acceptance without attachment to survival. 
to living this amazing experience. Right, you said to me earth. yesterday, like your, your exclusive purpose here on earth. And people, what's your purpose? It's to, it's to give love and receive love. And that just, if we can make it that simple, then it would be amazing. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. It's <laughs> you, not. you have to integrate into life. There's people who aren't here for that reason, right? There may be, you know, however you want to look at it, there may be people who don't have that true intention, whether it be by nature or by nurture. We don't know that that everyone is out for that good. So um, then there comes in all these confounding variables of like, well, who's out for what and how do I protect myself and how do I ultimately allow myself to survive and procreate and, and live, you know, beyond this meat suit you know yeah. so uh yeah i mean not to get down too far down that esoteric talk man the reason we're here to begin with we can go back down the spiritual talks is to go back in and give our audience some really great action items around um hormone replacement therapy and so under you know kind of dispelling some myths and so before we get into that i'd love to for you to tell people about um what you do now, the book you wrote. Uh, so you're obviously Jay Campbell. Uh, you have a great podcast that's had some of the world's greatest experts when it comes to hormone replacement, understanding hormones, um, and you know what men and men, men and women are ultimately doing wrong. Men in particular, I think, uh, but women as well are doing wrong when it comes to hormone replacement and doctors. And and that's the funny thing, right? Is I think my audience is is evolved enough and, and wise enough to realize that doctors are just guys who go to school for seven years who and women who go to school for seven years who aren't necessarily taught everything right. you know, they're very bright people they're very capable but they know what they know and nobody knows what they don't know so doctors aren't taught nutrition doctors aren't taught hormone replacement necessarily unless they're like deep into the field of endocrinology so um, you've taken it upon yourself now to go out and learn everything there is to know about hormones hormone replacement hormone optimization different mechanisms uh, different means of application and I love to get down that path because I think it's uh, one valuable especially for me as a retired bodybuilder who obviously did some things to my body when I was competing that now it's probably causing damage to learn how to optimize it, maybe how to come off, maybe how to stay on forever. What are, you know, all, those are all the things I want to talk about. So if you could tell us a little bit about your podcast, a little bit about your book, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Awesome. First off, um, I'm a member of your community since 2012. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so Thanks. it's, again, it's an honor for me to be here. You're an amazing person. I've spent the last two days with you. I just want to say it's just been, we're, we're so spiritually connected. Thank you, man. But yeah. And, and, and when I say I love you, I really mean that. Thank you, know? you man. So it's, Likewise. yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to spend the time with you, but regarding hormone optimization, um, most people I think that listen to your podcast know who I am and my story. So I'll just, you know, separate it a little bit. I wrote a book. In 2015, called the TRT Manual, <clears throat> the definitive TRT Manual, became a you know kind of a smash success within about a year, year and a half. A lot of people in quote unquote the bodybuilding fitness industry found out about it, and then you know lucked for my reasons. Um, a lot of people in the, uh, uh, the optimization physician community found out about it, <clears throat> and you know in inner circles in the physician community, a lot of people started you know, reaching out to me. Hey, you know, how can we talk to you? How can I learn more about how do you know all this? You're not even a licensed medical professional. Um, fast forward, um, you know, two years or a year and a half, I did found my website and, and of course the podcast TOT Revolution and the podcast. And I have been very blessed to, like you, connect with amazing people. And I brought a lot of those people on. <clears throat> the hormone optimization realm, so to speak, and that niche um, is evolving, right? And it's evolving in a very, very fast rate and speed now because in the last two years, um, they've been really, the, the research has, has dramatically improved. Obviously, there's marketing now where people do understand that it's okay to use testosterone legally and within the confines of a therapeutic level right. to improve life, to optimize life. Right. So provided you're 
low out of range, you go to your doctor and you're using testosterone, it, there's value. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. But as you know, it, you know, being from the bodybuilding realm and obviously I, you know, was never a bodybuilder. I did compete as a physique competitor and stuff and, you know, won a couple shows and stuff. And so I know what it's like to live that lifestyle somewhat. Um, but coming from that industry, there's a lot of people that have like a negative connotation when you hear the word testosterone. Right? Sure. Oh, for sure. It's demonized. <laughs> it's terrible. You've got the media. It's constantly. killing people, Jay. Yeah. yeah. You, you, I'd love to dispel that, but. Right. Well, I mean, it, well, well, clearly we can. And, and obviously my book, you know, the TOT Bible is six, it's literally 600 pages. It's over 700 scientific references. Every single bit of available data from the last 10 years, you know, up until when the book was published. And I've even added a couple studies like late last year in November, but it's there. There's, mm -hmm. It dispels the idea that testosterone um, is uh, harmful to vascular networks, that it causes prostate issues, that it may or may not uh, do other things, um, you know, to cholesterol levels, hepatic function, all these different things. It's all not true. Right. And so, you know, half of my battle and then obviously also some of the physicians I work with is constantly having to reinforce the idea that there is no negative connotations with therapeutic dosages of testosterone. Right. Uh, again, I want to go down every one of those paths sure. because I think it's hard for us just to tell people, hey, it doesn't do that. Even though you've been hearing that for a really long time, it doesn't do that. Believe me. They're, they're just not going to believe you. Right. They're like, well, but it, but the media says this, and I don't believe you. And like, people are hard headed, right? Like, sure. you, you can't tell them that the world is round when they believe the earth is flat. It's just like, hey, no, man, I know, I know it's flat. Like, well, hold on a minute. So let's go down some of the, the path of some of that research. So, um, specific, you know, estrogen, therapeutic, therapeutic ranges of testosterone. Does it or does it not increase systemic estrogen? So it's a great question. And this is probably, in my opinion right now, the most relevant question in the optimization, therapeutic testosterone hormone realm. And that is, the, there's a huge misnomer, misunderstanding, misperception that testosterone, um, when you're using it therapeutically, should be blocked, meaning you should be blocking your estrogen with an AI or an aromatase inhibitor medication. How that is filtered into the therapeutic, you know, physician prescribing community, I don't know. I have theories. I kind of feel like it came you know, as an offshoot from the bodybuilding realm. For sure. Right, right. And, you, and you're, you're the one guy who can verify that. You know, I'm usually talking to doctors and, you know, we kind of get into the weeds discussing that. But the truth is, in the 80s, and you know this, in the 70s and 80s, and even into the probably mid-90s, the bodybuilders of that time never blocked their estrogen because there were no estrogen There was tamoxifen. I've talked to some of those guys. There, there was definitely tamoxifen, but there, it's a different sir, mechanism. Right, exactly. So that's a selective estrogen receptor modulator, which is a specific, you know, tissue um, mediator versus the AIs, which are women's breast cancer drugs, which are extremely toxic. There are numerous, like over 300 studies that you can find right now on, on PubMed and Medline that show that using aromatase inhibitor medications in males or females has nothing positive, right? Like there are some studies, and again, these are the supporters of AIs that will, will go to these studies that show, again, correlation does not equal causation, but show guys and men in uh, compromised patient population groups got a couple of things positive from blocking their estrogen, but all in all, they're again, compromised and they have all these other issues. So there's a good friend of mine, Dr. Robert Komenarik, um, is doing a, a landmark uh, lecture at AMMG in April, which you and I film on this podcast about a month out uh, from when that's happening. And it's about the dangers of blocking estrogen in men. So let me talk a little bit about that. So 
Testosterone, when given in therapeutic dosages, and even when given in superphysiologic dosages, um, obviously the natural biological process is for testosterone to aromatize into estradiol, right. right? Which is estrogen, right? So when you're at a superphysiological level, and you have you know all these other quote unquote um, issues from high estrogen, bodybuilders will block that to avoid those side effects. Here's the issue though in the therapeutic realm, and again it applies to bodybuilding too, is that when you block estrogen. Okay, meaning you block the aromatization pathway, you cause all kinds of side effects and negative issues with the biological processes necessary for testosterone to aromatize into estrogen, which are the protective effect in the brain, okay, joint integrity, tendon, musculoskeletal uh, issues as far as synovial fluid and all the other processes that are in there. It also creates issues in the synaptic and the dendritic pathways in the brain. So when you block estrogen, from 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 uh, from the aromatization process of testosterone, you're causing harm to biological systems. Here's the biggest issue, and, and this is what I really want to get home to your audience for the most part, and everyone in the in the world, you know, bodybuilders and um, you know, just again, people using therapeutic testosterone, because a lot of guys believe this, and it's completely um, illegitimate and incorrect. Using a therapeutic slash microdose of an AI to um, mediate or you know, placate symptomology that you get, that they perceive they get from high estrogen is still bad because blocking estrogen in any way, again, causes harm to biological systems. So over time, if you're using like a microdose, which is a lot of guys in therapeutic testosterone using like 0.025 of an AI or whatever it is, aromazine or remedex, whatever it is, it still causes all these issues um, to the aromatization pathway. So you can never ever block estrogen in a man undergoing therapeutic testosterone because of those potential issues. And so, so many guys come at me and email me and of course the physicians that I work with and they say, but doc, if I don't, I have X and Y and Z. And the real issue is two th it's twofold, Ben. The issue that most men have or perceive to have with high estrogen again, it's high estrogen as a perception from using therapeutic testosterone is really insulin resistance and visceral fat deposition. Those two things lead to the inflammatory mediators that we know about the part, you know, essentially when you're inflamed from those two things, it causes the quote unquote high estrogen symptoms or side effects, which is, you know, mood alteration, instability, water retention, being, um, you know, off balance or, you know, just the, the, the stuff that guys report is normally from their insulin sensitivity and too hot, too much visceral totally. body fat. Yeah, because when they eat testosterone, they think they can eat whatever they want. So exactly. They get, they get so, and, and guys, as you know, whole body fat, like mid-center sure. mass, right? The abdominal adiposity. So it's usually the inflammatory response from the insulin resistance. Hey, everybody. Just want to interrupt this podcast for a minute and tell you about a supplement that I've been taking that you think you're going to absolutely love. It's something that I always have in my medicine cabinet. I take it with me everywhere I travel or anytime my immune system tends to get a little run down, I reach for my Ganoderma. And if you haven't heard of Ganoderma, otherwise known as Reishi, I highly suggest that everyone picks this up. So I'm looking at examine.com right now, which is the website that belongs to a very good friend of mine. And, um, it talks about all of the anti-cancer benefits of reishi mushrooms, of Ganoderma. 
But I don't want to go in down the path of talking about it being anti-cancer. So what I will tell you about is everything else you'll see here about its incredible immune-boosting properties. So if you're someone who's fighting with any weakened immunity or if you're lacking sleep, this should be at the top of your go-to list. So if you're someone who is a little anxious and you have a hard time sleeping, three grams of Ganoderma uh, before bed will calm you down, will make you feel amazing. Here's how I use it. And right before bed, I'll have a collagen shake, which is 15 to 20 grams of collagen protein. I'll add in some chocolate greens powder uh, just for flavor, and I'll add in three grams of reishi mushroom. Um, I'll also sometimes add in some additional glycine for blood sugar control and detoxification. And I love it. My kids love it. It makes them sleep better. It makes me sleep better. And I wake up in the morning feeling rejuvenated and honestly helping with blood sugar regulation. But blood sugar control in the morning is a huge advantage in life as well. Um, so I highly suggest you guys check out reishi mushroom and my best source as you know is four sigmatic and four sigmatic because they're amazing and they love you and they love the podcast is hooking us up 15 percent off off of anything on the website it's not just your reishi mushroom it's going to be your lion's mane it's going to be your chaga your cordyceps and if you guys have still not tried any of these mushrooms dig in so for anyone who loves to do endurance uh, type events, endurance type running or, or racing or cycling or any mountain climbing or anything like that, cordyceps is a go-to. Chaga is supposed to be something that's massively beneficial for immunity and feeling amazing all the time. It's uh, almost like a adaptogen where it can bring you up if you're feeling down and it can calm you down if you're feeling up. And um, reishi, of course, is this one that Literally everyone should have. I never leave home without it. So check it out, guys. Head over to foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com and use the promo code MUSCLE for 15% off everything site-wide. And don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. If you guys want to let me know you did that, I would appreciate a shout-out on social media and Instagram just because we want to let for Sigmatic, and we're taking care of them because they take care of us. Have an amazing day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so so what if we start getting the numbers, right? Because that, sure. that's where people are looking, or at least sure. the, the smart ones are looking. Sure. Okay, like, hey, so, you know, my doc says I have to be under 20. My doc says I have to be 20 and 40. Or what, what if I'm showing up at 400? What am I showing up at 600 estrogen? When, when does it become a problem? And, and if it does, what do I do to combat it? How do I get everybody to ask questions like you, bro? Right. <laughs> I wish a doctor could ask that kind of a question. And by the way, no prep, right? Uh, yeah, we're always prepped. It's just, amazing, it's, it's just my my organic curiosity, right? No, but you just you just asked the right questions. Thanks, but, man. So, so it's the best question that anybody's ever really asked me, actually, in talking about this. So here's the thing: LabCorp, who develops the range values for men, you know, utilizing testosterone or you know therapeutic or whatever, even without when they're not, the minimum protective level from the studies and the research shows that a man has to be minimum protection for, for uh, cardiovascular protection between 60 and 80. And again, not to get into esoteric, but it's like uh, PGs per nanomoliter. But the bottom line is, is that when you look at the therapeutic ranges and you look at the lab values, again, from LabCorp, it shows men as out of the range over 45. So between like 30, I think it's 20 and 45 or 25 and 45, and you know somebody can fact check me or whatever, I'm not looking at LabCorp levels right now, but that's where they try, meaning the doctors, to keep you in that range. And so the, that's the problem is that the physician community is trying to keep men within the levels based on the confounding variables that LabCorp gives us in the blood work, and it's not even exerting a minimum protective effect. So the issue has become 
um, you know, you ask the question like, when is it too high? When is it too low? The best doctors today who do this right from the beginning are not even checking a person's estrogen levels because it creates a psychogenic effect in that patient of that he has to be somewhere, you know, in a level below here or above here because ultimately they know that testosterone must aromatase into estrogen again through the aromatization pathway and at a specific level there is no issue. So does that mean that you can't have too high estrogen? Of course you can have too high of estrogen. The biggest issue with estrogen, though, is that you get it too low when a person is blocking it with an aromatase inhibitor. And when you block estrogen, again, we already talked about all these horrible side effects. Um, that's when you start seeing really negative side effects. You see sexual dysfunction. You see, again, joint integrity issues. Um, it happens in the brain, right? You're blocking all the dendritic and your... Um, I'll attest to that one for sure. Right. I'll tell some stories about what I used to do with estrogen and give guys a good insight. Right. So you, so you know that. But, but, but to answer that question, because I don't want to, like, riddle around it. If you are a person that is doing things right, again, in therapeutic testosterone, you're eating right, you're living a clean lifestyle, you're obviously training with weights, you're doing your cardiovascular training. Um, we have doctor, or, you know, some of my doctors have patients with over 200 levels of estrogen, sensitive estradiol pools, and fine. Okay? It's when a guy thinks from his doctor that he needs to be, quote unquote, in a mythical, you know, narrow range or sweet spot that they start creating these issues. And again, as we already talked about, if you're inflamed, if you're fat, if you're eating like shit, doing all those other things, you're going to have what you presume to be high estrogen symptoms. So the bottom line is, is if this is done right, and it's rarely done right, Brad, that's a whole other day of podcast. The, you know, and, and we'll talk about that. But the average you know, testosterone prescribing clinic in North America is what we call windmill clinics, right? It's like testosterone and AI and HCG right. and whatever else they can value add sell them. Sure. Right? More money per month. The bottom line, again, this is written about in my book heavily, we really focus on this, is that when you're not, and again, the, off, the, the, um, the, the misnomer or the offshoot is that <clears throat> if you're trying to become fertile, okay, you only want to use testosterone in isolation because how is a physician and yourself going to really understand what's doing what in your body, right? You have no way to know. So if you're a guy who's never been on testosterone before, you go and get your blood work and you're, you know, you're classified as uh, suffering from a deficiency, you're hypogonadal, and you're started out on five different chemicals, how the hell do you know what's working in your body? Right. There's no way to know. So then these guys go down these pathways. They've got their estrogen being blocked. They're on HCG, which is another estrogen spike and an androgen spike. Plus they're on testosterone, plus blah, 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 blah. Pregnenolone, you know, whatever. There's no way to know due to all the perturbations in that person's endocrine system for all the various drugs and chemicals. So then they go down what we call this just like, you know, horrible no man's land, vicious cycle. They fire that doctor because that doctor doesn't make them feel good. The next doctor is trying to, quote, unquote, un, you know, fuck them. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes, again, a vicious cycle. And then it's luck of the draw. Do you ever find a doctor that really knows what they're doing? The best doctors right now in North America, and we're not even talking about the international community where there's very few, um, are constantly just unfucking patients because of the doctors that have started them down this pathway of all these different chemicals in the body and they don't know what's doing what. So, you know, there is no range. I would tell you that if you start right with a physician of, who understands how to do this, they're not gonna measure your estrogen. They're going to look at your symptoms and side effects because the ultimate goal of therapeutic testosterone, again, this is written about in the book, um, is happiness and balance. And so if you're happy and you feel good, then, you get annual blood work, right? You, 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 your doctor's checking in with you, how do you feel? As soon as you start having symptoms or side effects, 
then that's when you're going to really start meet, you know, becoming you know, more precise and looking at maybe individual biomarkers to see if there's a correlation. What are the typical side effects a man would experience with elevated, we talked about low estrogen, but what would they experience with, with elevated estrogen? So uh, side effects of super high estrogen would probably be water retention for sure. Um, it could be nipple sensitivity. That's a whole other conversation though, and I'm happy to have that with you right now. And I, I actually learned this myself a year and a half ago, but most of the time nipple sensitivity from testosterone is not actually gynecomastia. Sure. It's nostalgia. It's just insensitivity. The body's getting used to, you know, replacing its own natural production with sure. exogenous. Progesterone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Prolactin. Right. Prolactin. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But, but, but the bottom line, and, and a lot of doctors don't know this, and this is a really awesome podcast to break this, but gynecomastia is purely genetic. And I learned that from Anthony. Right when I when when uh, Dr. Uh, Jay and I did our did our thing, he was like, you know, we ch checked all my corresponding stuff, and he was like, you know, Jay, there's something not right about you, and he's like, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you have the gyno gene, and I was like, ah, I laughed because I never told him that story, you know, when we were talking off the record, and I said, no, Anthony, I had a small little piece of gyno removed in 2016 with like one of the world's best surgeons. It's in my book. It's chapter 11 in my book. It's an awesome story, but I learned from him, and by the way, his name is Dr. Joseph Cruz. So if anybody reaches out to me and they need a you know gyno removed um he's the best guy in the whole world he's done over uh, 2900 surgeries but bottom line is that gynecomastia is genetic and 60 according to him 64 between 64 and 68 percent of all men have gynecomastia and again it's genetic and you will have it um you know uh, present or show up at any various points of your life a lot of men have it at puberty pre-puberty some men have it at like their late teenage years and then other men literally just have you know a, an outbreak or a, you know presentation of it in their 50s and 60s so the issue with testosterone or therapeutic testosterone, if you're one of those people with that gene sensitivity, um, you're going to have to really modulate your dose. So going back to your question, because I want to answer it even specifically, the best doctors today, when they start you, if they do it right, if you start experiencing what you would consider high estrogen side effects, which again would be water retention, maybe a little bit of a mood imbalance, the, the, the number I, I one to gloss over that. Maybe a little bit of mood imbalance is a bit of a well, the, <laughs> an again, therapeutic think, but, levels. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, we, we could do well, you can ask me that. We can talk yeah. about that, but but um, increased frequency of administration and lessen the dosage. So, the average guy who does experience high symptoms or high estrogen, what they would say side effects, is on too high of a testosterone dose. Yeah, but what if a, what if a competitor is like, well, man, that's just what I want to take? So, how do we combat that? So we tell them that, I mean, there's, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't know I, if there I, is a way. I, I agree. Cause uh, one, cause you want to suppress the side effects. You got to function. Sure. And, and bodybuilders are taking too much testosterone to be exactly with, like unnecessary right. amounts. And so here, you know, giving my side of the coin, sure. just going down the path of the few things that you mentioned there, but drawing them out a little bit, um, estrogen levels are elevated. Why? Typically because your body fat's too high. Absolutely. So step one, if your estrogen is too high, Go on a diet, yeah. decrease your body fat. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Decrease your your xenoestrogens, yep. right? So decreasing all the things that Anthony J talks about. Absolutely. You know, get the book, uh, Estrogeneration, Dr. Anthony J. Yep. Go watch his, pot, his YouTube channel, Chagrin and Tonic. Um, everything you know about removing estrogen. Yep. And start there. You know, that's like step one. You know, remove that. Remove stress. Stress can be estrogenic, right? Stress can be driving cortisol up and, and, and causing problems. So anyone has elevated estrogen, start with those things. And then even if you're taking high levels of testosterone, I've seen people with elevated testosterone who just continually get leaner. Exactly. So like I, I'm, as you say, looking for negative effects. And if you're not, you know, crying at movies and, and uh, getting a fat rear end, 
what are you worried about? Like, and if you are getting a fat rear end, it's usually more of a caloric excess right. and from the wrong places. I, I was actually going to ask you that. So would you say, being from your background in the bodybuilding world, that the leaner the bodybuilder was, the higher the testosterone dose you could have without any... Exactly. 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 So but, it but that, but then again, fat, But then again, the less you actually need. Well, right? Exactly so the leaner you are, too. your body's also using more. Exactly. So, but isn't that funny how fat is what's really causing almost everything. Yep. The inflammatory response of visceral body fat is what leads to all disease. Yeah. So for all you people out there, it's, it's just laziness, right? It's the human exactly. nature of like, I don't want to go on a diet. I don't want to do cardio. I don't want to right. be in a caloric deficit. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Just give me the easy pill. Exactly. That's the unfortunate reality. So all these people out there fighting against the, I don't want to take less testosterone or I want to take an AI because you know I think it's going to help me. It's not, you know, ultimately exactly. it's causing, you, you mentioned yesterday, uh, some endothelial issues, like some capillary stuff. So massively. Yeah. I don't know that you said that to you. So no. So yeah, let's talk about that. So, and I don't have research to back me up, but there are people out there who are laying in the weeds, ready to bring it out there. But, um, they have now seen that using any form of an AI, um, to block estrogen. And again, this isn't any dosage. This is at therapeutic levels versus super physiological levels. They cause micro blisters in the vascular networks. Now, I don't want to get into like the deep weeds on this, but essentially a micro blister is you're a walking heart attack, potentially. Yeah. So if anybody listening finds the research or, or hears about it, send it into us and we'll For post sure. it. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about it next time. Um, yeah, totally. That, and that's interesting, right? So, you know, and I'll, I'll give my experience with AIs. I definitely did use them during my career, not knowing any better. And, and the biggest um, negative effect I saw, as you said, as my dose went up, which I'll, I did, and I'll talk about that, um, my cognitive abilities were literally like Shot nil, right? Like you, you can't form a sentence. You're so angry. You're so tired. Uh, and that's just cumulative on top of the calorie restriction. And when I didn't do it, um, I, I definitively felt better. My energy was better all right. the time. You know, right. my sleep was better. And the big thing we didn't talk about yet is cholesterol. Oh, yeah. um, so that's a huge, you know, elephant in the room we got to look at is, is um, you take an AI, no matter which one it is, whether it be aromacin, arimidex, letrozole, all of them are doing the same thing to your cholesterol. So they're, they're throwing your HDL in the tank, driving your HDL up, your bad HDL. Um, which is, again, like you say, you're a walking heart attack. And that's a huge problem. So anyone bodybuilders out there, anyone aspiring to build muscle, um, start paying attention to that shit and just, like, stay lean, man. Like, and it, it's not that hard. Like, if you, here's the thing. I actually had a nutritionist in yesterday. You were sitting there. It was a, yeah, it was a brilliant statement. Guy. Brilliant statement. And I was like, so we, we you know, his name's Chris Barakat. He was a professor at the University of Tampa. Amazing. And he comes in, teaches my coaches, like, hey, guys, here's how to set up the, the starting points of a diet. So you said, you know, determine protein, first determine uh, total calories or BMR, then total calories, then protein, then fat, then fill in the rest of the carbs. And I said, okay, Chris, we're, we're sitting on this, you know, X number of calories. We've been there for two to four weeks. We're not building muscle. What do we do with calories? And he said, the best thing. He said, well, nothing. He said, your training's not right. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and that's the most important thing that people miss. And this right. is why I, I just drive this home with everybody. It's like, you got to learn how to train. And most people say, when you ask people what's wrong with their fitness, what do they say? I, oh, I know how to train. Yeah. No, you don't. No, you, don't. No, you really don't. Like, you suck. In a scale of one to 10, you're a three. You write yourself as a seven or an eight, but in reality, you're a three. And if you learn how to train, you need less steroids. You need less food. Absolutely. You grow. So this is why I, I'm, you know, uh, 
vehemently an advocate for intelligent training because we've developed a steroid-based culture, right, in, totally. in, in the fitness community. Like, hey, man, you want to get bigger, just take more juice. No, idiot. Learn how to train right. first. Learn the skill of exercise. And then 200 milligrams of testosterone will actually work for you. There's a guy who I know very well who's taking excessive amounts of testosterone. So his testosterone bill ultimately is probably thousands of dollars a month, whatever God knows he's taking from his. And it's from a TRT clinic. Sure. Um, but it's, he, but then he won't spend the money on a, on a personal training session or come to a camp. Or he actually has come to a camp. But, like... It blows my mind that people are willing to spend so much money repetitively beating their head against the wall on, on things that are going to speed up this journey and never take the, the necessary foundational steps to actually learn what they're doing in the gym. It's frustrating. So I have to shake your hand yeah, on that amazing statement. Well, I, I learned in the last two days of just training with Ben and, of course, Jordan more than I probably learned in you know 10 years. And, again, I don't focus. Obviously, it's not my world or whatever. But if it was my world, you would be the guy that I hire. But it's so true. And I say the same thing. Time and time again on my podcast, time and time again on my social media, when any younger guy reaches out to me, I say, do you even know how to contract muscle fibers and eliminate ego from your training? Yeah. And that's 95% of people training. Right. They don't even know how to do it, right? right. I, made like, a, I made a statement that at least 95% of people don't know how to train, and people exactly. think I'm out of my mind. I'm no, like, it's no, absolutely, no, no, no. True. <laughs> absolutely true. Well, I mean, I'm an yeah. advanced guy, and you know, I'm not a professional bodybuilder, but you guys made a bunch of corrective adjustments to my training in 24 hours that I'm going to be able to take back, and I'm like, wow, you know, like I've right. already been texting we could my put, wife. We could put 25 pounds on you in, oh, in three months. There's no doubt. Just With by no changing drugs. your training. No drugs. Just by changing your training. Literally that, no that's, drugs. Yeah. That's literally. a truth. And yeah. I'm a tall skinny non-bodybuilder non-mesomorph you know much more ectomorphic than anything yeah but there's no doubt and right. i and i and, and you don't have to say that for i, I know that right yeah. like just from 24 hours but to go back because it's so important what you said it's the exact same truth right like you have to learn everything there is to know about what it is you're pursuing before you feel that you have a right to shortcuts or hacks or any of that totally. right and so it's the same thing if we're going to talk about therapeutic testosterone, we're going to talk about optimization, which is really what I like to call it. If you're a fat person, and I say this all the time and people get offended, you're not going to get the results that you would get if you were leaner. As defined as over 18% body fat? Yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. I think, I, think, I think if you don't know, and that's a good point, if you start without an actual accurate gauge, if you're not getting a bod pod, or a DEXA, and even a DEXA is a little overestimated because the water percentage, especially more muscular guys. So a bod pod or somebody like you doing a nine or 11 site skin fold measurement, if you don't know what your body fat is, why are you guessing? Mm -hmm. And and you know you know all, everyone always goes, well, how much do you, how much is your body fat? I'm like 12%, oh, yeah, percent, yeah 18, or 20. <laughs> yeah, so everyone always underestimates it and realize guys like it matters. And, and of course. so this is, you know, the literal objective of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast is putting all these pieces together to allow you to live your greatest life in your greatest body. Like, there, there's more things that go into it than just training, and there's more things that go into it than just taking more testosterone, and that's, you know, why I want to become the advocate, and I'm grateful to have you here, man. So talk, talk, talk to me about um, the negative implications of testosterone and prostate, because that's always been something that comes up. Okay, man, I hear it's going to give you prostate cancer. Yeah, so it's the total opposite of the truth. The All the latest research, again, this is all quantified in my book. It's all there for you. Um, Dr. Abraham Morgan Taylor has been very big in spearheading and you know, uh, collating all of the top research about prostate issues with testosterone. The, inver the actual inverse is true. So they know now that men that are suffering from a testosterone deficiency are more likely to have prostate issues as they age, right? Every man, if they live to 80, 
is going to have some form of prostate cancer, right? That's like a statistical fact. You're not going to die from it, but you'll probably have it because, again, the, the, the prostate hypertrophies as we age, again, usually through benign, benign ways. But by the time of 80, most men are going to have some form of prostate cancer. Interesting. How many man, men are going to actually have it measured? Very few. You're not, the likelihood of that percentage of people to do have it at 80 are dying from it are, is minute, right? But, you know, that's, again, the latest research. But in regards to the prostate, this is fascinating. There's a researcher right now in uh, Greece, and he's on my Facebook. His name is Nico Sakos, and he is actually um, um, a neuroendocrine endocrinologist. So he's a pretty fascinating dude, and he's working specifically on metastatic uh, stage three and stage four prostate cancer. So death, like essentially death sentence in men, and they have been giving men super saturation dosage of testosterone, apoptosis of, of the cancer cell. Really. Yeah, Super so it's insane, right? Like all of this research is starting to come out. Um, so bottom line is, is that testosterone will not cause an otherwise healthy person, man, obviously, to have any form of prostate cancer. And their risk for prostate cancer is much greater if they're suffering from a testosterone deficiency. Now, let's just talk a little bit about that for a second right now, because obviously I've had two amazing days, talked to so many amazing people, which again, I'm very thankful and gra grateful for you to connect to me so many people. But the average guy walking around today, Ben, he doesn't know he has a testosterone deficiency, but you and I know that he's being bombarded from every singular angle, right? Like every biological process, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, walking around, the blue the light. light yeah. You'll see, like, I don't even have my glasses on, right? Like I was seeing at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, oh shit, I left my glasses, right? But I mean, I'm very big on that. I'm always wearing my, my blockers, but it's just, it's a constant like war on our biological systems. And if you're not understanding that, <laughs> then what are you doing, right? So it's like the, the most important thing for anybody who's watching this podcast, and I don't care if you're a bodybuilder, you're a spiritual person, or you're just somebody that just follows Ben, you absolutely should know if you have a testosterone deficiency. I don't care if, if they're 25. If they follow me, chances are they're a bodybuilder and a spiritual Most likely. Person. But if you're, <laughs> true. if you're 25 or 50, it doesn't matter. You have to know what's going on inside your body. And again, it's so simple today, right, to get a blood test. Now, Again, not to go too esoteric, I mean, obviously, you know, when you get diagnosed with a deficiency, it's a symptomatic diagnosis over a lab measurement number, but you still have to have the lab measurement number to get a basis, right? Just to understand where you're at. That's a perfect segue into the next question, lab values. So, again, you said you're not particularly um, well-versed in the exact ranges, but when we look at, you know, let's say a lab core uh, printout or whatever, the sure. hell, life labs, whatever the hell we have, um, Tell me about just the uh, implications of the ranges that exist. And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I, I know a lot of interesting statistics around what's happened to the ranges in sure. recent years and yep. how those things are shifting. And um, so where should somebody aim to be? And uh, is there an optimal place to, to hold your testosterone for function, brain function? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah, great question. Um, so in 2017, in July, LabCorp lowered the standard mean deviation for the top and the lower end of the range, right? So it used to be three, and again, somebody can fact check me on this, but I think it was 336 or 335 to 1197. I know that was the end range. And then they lowered it to 240 or 250. I think it's, I think it's 245 to 916. So essentially they flattened out you know, the bell curve. And if you listen to LabCorp, they will tell you 
that um, that it was done because it reflects the population at large, which is mostly obese now, right? There's so many men suffering from um, insulin resistance, metabolic disorder, and obesity that, as you know, that lowers testosterone naturally. So they did that to flatten out the curve. But if you talk to very smart, enlightened people in the optimization space, they will actually tell you that the endocrine society, along with LabCorp, just made testosterone prescriptions more restrictive, right? Because now if you're a dude and you go into the doctor, again, Hopefully you're not going into a doctor like I'm giving this conversation about, but you're going into a you know an optimization doctor like you and I would work with. But if you go in and they test you and you're one point over the 245 range, which we already know that last year we classified you as 100. Exactly. Cannot get a prescription. So again, knowing that this is the industry or the world that we live in right now, which again, however you want to define it, it's anti-testosterone, anti-masculine, maybe both. Um, you have to make sure that you're working with a physician and that you're, again, intelligent. You're musco-skeletally musco intelligent, as all of your readers are and, and followers and fans and listeners are. But the bottom line is, is you have to educate yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You literally have to go into your doctor's office today with an understanding of your symptoms. And what are symptoms, and right? It, it, it's, before you go into that, it's yeah. a hard thing because even I go into a doctor knowing more than the doctor but I can't say that. Like, I can't go in and go, hey, man, you know what the hell you're talking about, right? Because I, I like my doctor. I want to keep my doctor. And I think a lot of people maybe live in that reality. Like, I can't go in and tell my doctor he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, like, even if I often bring him a resource and I'm like, hey, man, check this out. Here's a study. I just I do this all the time with my doc. Mm -hmm. Actually, we have a really great relationship. I'm like, hey, man, check out this study. You know, here's this new peptide that came out. Here's this new hormone that came out. Here's this new implication with testosterone and estrogen. I send him all that stuff. He loves it. But most doctors aren't probably like that, right? right. So how does, how does somebody, I mean, you don't know the answer, but how do we start approaching, like, hey, man, my doc just isn't open-minded to, to what I actually should be doing, or he's going to prescribe me, I don't know, Clomid or something, or HCG instead of testosterone, or he's going to give me, God, who else knows what, right? He's going to give me AI, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough relationship to try to hack because pe people are, one, afraid, and two, doctors sometimes are open-minded because of the ego. Right, and it's a great question, too. The lab coat god syndrome, thankfully, in my opinion, you know, your generation, my generation, it's becoming more open-minded. I mean, my answer is always, look, find another doctor, okay? If your doctor is, yep. you like, you have a good relationship with your doctor, you and have a good... And how do we, how do we okay, do so, that? Well, well no, you, you mean, it's simple. So, yeah. so um, this is what I say. So, again, it depends on where you are in the world. But for North American purposes, and obviously Canada is a lot different than the United States because they're much more restricted in Canada with finding optimization doctors and know what the hell they're doing. But in the United States right now, like, if you're going to a doctor through your insurance, right, whatever, HMO, PPO, you know, whatever is, again, your work form of insurance, the likelihood you're going to get a doctor who knows what they're doing when it comes to testosterone optimization is like under 5%. Right. Okay. And going down that route, listening to this podcast, again, reading my book, being informed, you already know you're opening up a can of whoop ass on yourself, right? Because it's not going to go probably in the direction that you would like it to go. So I always say it like this. If you're going to choose... And hopefully you do, because as you know, you and I know, testosterone, when done right, is a totally transformative, life-altering molecule. If you're going to do that route, you have to be prepared to spend X. And in my mind, and again, I steal this stepping on the shoulders of others, very smart doctors who say, depending on where you live in the United States, because obviously L.A. is going to be a little bit more expensive than Florida, New York's going to be more expensive than both of those places, it's going to cost you somewhere between $2,500 and $10,000 a year to become fully optimized. A $2,500 doctor, if you do the math on it, is like literally, you know, 150 bucks a month. 200 bucks a month, yeah. It's nothing, right? If you want 
one of the most amazing doctors in the world and you want to use peptides and you want to do other things and you want to do all the amazing you know neuro and biohacking things that you have here then yeah you're probably going to be looking at four to five hundred dollars a month right but when you start breaking it down it you know it comes to sequential thinking and planning and all that kind of stuff it's like it's not a lot I mean, what's more important than this vessel, right? right? In this lifetime, in this incarnation. People spend more than that at, at Starbucks exactly. or a supplement shop, right? And, you know, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. So that's what you got to do, though. So, you know, to answer your question, if you're a doctor, you have a great relationship with me, say, hey, doc, man, look, this isn't your thing. I get it. Can you recommend me somebody before I go find somebody else? You know, you just have that one on one. Sure. That's how Perfect. you do it. Yeah. Now, one thing we talked about yesterday that I think is interesting for you to talk about is how a certain number of things need to happen physiologically in order for your testosterone, even naturally, to be sure. optimized or for your body to actually benefit from exogenous testosterone. Sure. Yeah. So um, the simplest thing is if you're, again, watching this podcast, you've never done testosterone, you've never been on anabolic steroids, you never took anything, um, the, the four most obvious side effects, for sure, without a doubt, are... Um, a, a decrease in cognition. You have like brain fog, right? You're like, literally, it's the middle of the afternoon, it's one o'clock, and I don't mean you just ate a huge insulin bomb lunch. You just have no energy and no drive. You wanna go home and take a nap, right? Like that's the number one symptom slash side effect of a testosterone deficiency is brain fog. Then um, the other ones are a little bit more known, obviously, you have um, lack of energy, you know, indecisiveness, li kind of listlessness. Um, a lot of guys get depressed, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge effect for guys in their mid thirties and even younger now, you know, this is, that's the sad part, man. Again, we're in such a toxic environment today. You have so many younger men now presenting with symptoms of testosterone deficiency. And a lot of doctors are afraid, um, you know, who do do this right, like to, you know, script a guy, even a, you know, a testosterone increasing drug like uh, HCG or clomiphene um, when they're 25 or 26, but a lot of guys need it. So it's, it's just, again, we're just in such a toxic environment today, but if you have any of those symptoms or side effects, and then obviously, you know, there's sexual dysfunction, sexual dysfunction for testosterone deficiency is literally at the bottom of the scale though. You know, most guys think it's at the top, you know, oh, I can't get an erection or whatever. That's usually a sign of endothelial dysfunction. Again, inflammation, too much fat, shitty lifestyle, you know, alcohol, as you know, is kills everything. Jesus. Right. Right. Number one, I always just say it's the number one consciousness suppressor in yeah. history of humanity. But the bottom line is, is that you have to be able to identify these symptoms and then, um, you know, get tested. And by the way, so we should mention this and, and, and now it's in Canada and I too. this too. There's some, as you know, there's tons of independent labs. You don't need a doctor's confirmation or prescription or any of that to get your lab work done, right? You can go to discounted labs, private MD labs, direct labs. I think you mentioned another company. There's so many of them. And for 50 bucks, you know, get your total testosterone, your free testosterone and your sensitive estradiol pulled and to have an understanding of like where you're at. And those are the three things really, you know, again, when you go down this therapeutic realm um, that you really need to know as far as from a, um, an introductory standpoint of like whether you're ready to go down that path, right? Because obviously you need to uh, evaluate other biomarkers. And of course, in the book, we give you a cheat sheet and we spent three chapters talking about all the biomarkers because as you know, as you age, your biomarkers are going to change, right? So the importance of measuring your biomarkers from X to Y to Z over time in stages is critically important. So one thing we talked about yesterday, and this is kind of the question, but I didn't phrase it correctly, was what are the things that I need to be doing just to optimize testosterone without taking um, testosterone? So, so it's not natural optimization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great question. Um, first, number one, we've already hit it, you know, do not be fat. Because being fat 
inflammation that's going to lower your testosterone it's going to lower your free testosterone it's going to increase your sex hormone binding globulin it's going to cause all kinds of other inflammatory effects in your body so do not be fat right so we don't have to talk about that because you've talked about that with people smarter than me a million times you know reduce your insulin signal hire Ben Polsky to train you and you better have a lot of money because he doesn't let people from the general public train him. <laughs> but, but, but bottom line is, um, you know, again, it's, it's simple, right? Like focus on losing your body fat. Um, as you know, Anthony J has a bunch of strategies in his book and Esther generation, but you know, try to avoid EDCs and try, <laughs> you know, going to try to avoid EDCs. You just have to live a clean lifestyle, right? You, you, you have to avoid, um, blue light exposure. Um, you cannot, you know, be living around cell towers. You should not be having your cell phones or charging stations or any of those things like in your place of sleep. Um, you know, clearly your nutrition is huge, right? Like, I mean, you, you should be eating a clean diet. You should be, again, minimizing your insulin signal, um, getting enough protein, getting enough he healthy essential fatty acids. You should absolutely positively be lifting weights, training, doing cardiovascular exercise. I'm kind of against, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously pro, and, I'm, and, and I don't say this as a shill because obviously I'm pro testosterone therapeutic, but um, I'm starting to go away of the natural optimization route as being so influential anymore because again of the, the war on our biological systems. It's so hard, right? So it's like a lot of people when they come to me, it's like, well, what's the easiest route for me to optimize myself, assuming I'm doing everything else, meaning I'm living a dialed in life. I'm saying, you gotta get your blood work evaluated. Um, I personally think, and again, it's just my opinion, I think you have to have above average genetics in this day and age, if you're over the age of 30, to have an optimal range. And you did ask me that question, so I'll give it, you know, if you were gonna measure your blood and you're not on testosterone, you're not on steroids, you're not on anything that's, you know, fake, by the way, we didn't even talk about that, but you know, almost all testosterone boosting supplements are a scam, right? Like there's some stuff that increases libido, you know, ashwagandha, maybe Tonkata Lee, some other stuff out there, adaptogens and stuff, but there's nothing that you're gonna be able to buy at GNC that's gonna truly increase your testosterone more than transiently, right? Right, short, and, short of like your basic, you know, m m m minerals like magnesium exactly. and B vitamins. Exactly, and, right. Know, yeah. What you should already have is sure. eating right and doing all those things, right? But so right. many people, and you know, they come at you and you, we, we constantly see people like celebrities or eugenics, you know, Frank Thomas, you know, it, it just, I get that so much, but, sure. but realistically you have to, as a young man growing up today, be aware of all of those things. But your range would be, if you were, again, above average genetics and you're over 30 and you're doing everything right, it would be somewhere between 650 to 900 natural, natural levels. Again, that's total testosterone. That's not free testosterone. Um, free testosterone would be somewhere in 15 to 20, 15, you know, 17 to 25. Because as soon as you get over 30 with free testosterone, it's usually enhanced. And I, and I don't mean enhanced, but therapeutic sure. using exogenous use. Um, so that's kind of like, again, the measurement, if I'm giving measurement numbers, but ultimately it still always comes back to like, do you feel good? Do you have good energy? You know, because sure. if you do feel good and you have good energy and you're a beast in the gym and you've got above average genetics, you know, do you really need to actually go get your me lab measurements done? Probably not. But right. again, how small of a percentage of the population is that? Right. One interesting stat that, again, I don't know if you know the details on this, but one of the doctors at Swiss mentioned that it was either 1985 or 1995 that the, the high end of the range was 1500. Right. And it keeps... Yeah, it was down. Eric. It was Serrano. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can talk about that, and that's that's like literally the first two chapters of my book. Um, basically, 65, 70 years ago, the World War II and Korean War generation had 
three times the natural levels of the average guy walking around the street today. And again, it's simple to, to, to track that, right? Like those guys were living in agrarian communities. They did not have blue light or white light and all the sensitivities that we have. They did not have cell signals and cell towers and all these other right. things. Because again, all this electromagnetic frequency uh, causes disruption in the energy sure. system. Maybe it's population control we don't even know about. You want to talk about that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I absolutely, no, I, I absolutely I positively, I'm, I, we're not going sure. down that path, but I mean, I absolutely positively believe, and you know, I was talking to Kurt earlier today, and there's a guy who can back stuff up, is that there is something going on to either entrain us or reduce us. So, you know, whether you sure. want to debate that depending estrogen on your beliefs. Or estrogen or EMF, and yeah, for sure, man. Right. For sure. Yep. Um, but it does make sense that we keep knocking down the testosterone levels and... Yep. They don't want to give people testosterone because then maybe that's going to make them more prone to... Dude, the Hebrew University study, which again is in my book, this is scientific validated 30-year study, 48,000 uh, people in the cohort population group, all seven continents. They predict by year 2045. Well, they actually give a, a, a sliding scale. Between 2045 and 2050, man will be infertile. Not be able to propagate. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, what other points have we not touched on that you think is vital for men to know about testosterone utilization? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, personally, I feel that there should not be a stigma. Okay. You should not be a fearful of your wife's, you know, repudiation from your wife, from your you know, friends, from your boss, from your employee, you know, anyone in today's day and age, you should not be afraid. You should not be humiliated. You should not have shame to seek this out as a form of therapy, right? Like there's nothing wrong to utilizing therapeutic testosterone. It's perfectly legal. Right. What kind of pushback are you gonna get from society is a choice that you're gonna, you know, allow. Right, so someone's sitting home right now at 20 to 25% body fat. Go to the doctor first, then get the body fat off, or get the body fat off, then go to the doctor. Get, I, I mean, that's a great question, man. You're, you're good at this, bro. Um, get the body fat off. And if you don't know how to get the body fat off, hire somebody, right? Because that, again, is the number one, you know, as they say, all costs, imp imp increasing morbidity or increasing all causes mortality is body fat. Yeah. Do you think that testosterone will help them get the body fat off? So that's the chicken and egg question. So yeah. testosterone is lipolytic, right? So we know that it does increase basobodibuncle rate. It will increase th uh, thyroid or upregulate thyroid. There's a lot of things that testosterone increase does, and by the way. Mass. Yeah, and we're not... We didn't even talk about testosterone and thyroid together. I was going to ask that next. Okay, good. Um, but, but yeah, so the question, I, this is my opinion again, but I believe that if a man is committed to losing body fat, meaning he will do what's necessary from a dialed-in perspective, then yeah, sure. Seek out a doctor and say, doc, I know that testosterone is lipolytic. I know it causes fat burning or improves fat burning. How can we design a program? Again, you know, you're being nice to the doctor. You're saying, I'm going to su support you. Um, where we, you can start me on this, but then I, I can dial in my lifestyle further so that I can you know, get the maximum benefits from this. Testosterone and thyroid. So we talked about this yesterday. Yes. There's like a, a certain sequence of things almost that needs to happen before your body naturally can actually produce testosterone. I teach this to my coaches. It's like everyone's chasing this number with testosterone and, and you know, estrogen optimization. But you know, if you back up one step, well, now you have thyroid optimization, which has to precede to hormone optimization, testosterone optimization. Before that, you have to look at, well, your HPA axis, yes. right? You have to look at stress. Yes. So um, talk about those things and how they, they kind of all interrelate and um, 
affect each other. So critically important. Um, you know, the best doctors will tell you that you cannot optimize testosterone without optimizing thyroid and vice versa, right? And there's also even really great doctors out there who can take a person who has poor lifestyle habits, as you know, sleep, right? Let's talk a little bit about sleep. Sleep degradation or deprivation in today's society is probably the biggest systemic influencer of inflammation. Yeah. I mean, even sure. more than body fat and, you know, yeah. and again, visceral fat. I, I, always, I always like to quantify visceral fat and body fat, right? Because even a lot of bodybuilders are heavily muscled guys and they look lean, but they have a lot of intramuscular fat, yep. right? And, and that's the visceral body fat that's yep. so much dangerous and causes the inflammation. Yep. Um, talk about that. So I've actually heard some interesting theories, and I don't know if this is fact, that being on testosterone can actually inhibit the ability to lose visceral fat. So it's not so so. It's a good question or a good statement. It's actually, it's the use of an AI that inhibits the loss of visceral fat hmm. because that's one of the big issues of Arimidex or Aromazin is that you know competition bodybuilders, performance athletes, even strength guys, when they're trying to again trying it came up again. I've used it twice now in this podcast. When they're attempting to you know prepare, get stage ready, whatever, meet ready. They're using a higher dose of an AI because in some crazy, bizarre fashion, they believe they need to block more of their estrogen um, as they're you know, cutting and maybe you know, even decreasing their testosterone again because there's this perception, and again, it's a total misperception, that you have to push estrogen down as you reduce body fat. It's Again, it's the complete opposite. And all the studies, and again, I'll push to Dr. Neil Rougier, who's also going to be at that same conference doing a study. He's brilliant. On, brilliant, right? But he's doing a study, or I'm sorry, a presentation on the idea that estrogen dominance is the cause of all these side effects and symptoms, when in fact, again, it's the insulin resistance and the too high of this. So Neil Rouge is presenting fat. on the fact that he thinks yeah. that estrogen. You should probably actually come down there for this, dude, because I'm telling you, there's three presentations that are all world class. So let me let me get that straight. He says that estrogen dominance is the cause of increased body fat. So estrogen dominance is a myth in myth. that it's Got actually it. insulin resistance Got and it. high visceral body fat that causes the high estrogen, quote unquote, estrogen dominance, right? Understood. But everybody believes that. So it's, it is the opposite. Cause again, I've, he, I've given, he's given me all the studies and I have right. all the studies and it's incredible to see how many people have extrapolated. Again, the whole correlation is not equal causation. Stuff. Sure. When we were at Swiss, Dr. Keith said something in passing, and, and I don't know how much you know about this or, or what you know about the data, but he said that having high estrogen has actually been associated with the ability to lose abdominal body fat. Yes, it's absolutely the truth. And that's why, you know, Keith doesn't even, Dr. Keith Nichols, you know, happy to mention him. What's up, Keith? Um, amazing doctor. He's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He is also trained under Neil Rougier, but the, yeah, the research shows that, again, you need a healthy amount of estrogen from that aromatization pathway to reduce visceral body fat. And so that's why, again, I go back to the 70s and 80s bodybuilders who never used AIs. Mm -hmm. Look how peeled those guys got, right? Like, look at the conditioning level the, of the those The stress level guys. was different. This, so I talk about totally, this all the time, right? Too. They weren't exposed to cell phones, blue light. <laughs> TV was minimal. What were they doing in their spare right. time? They're going to the beach. Exactly. Like they were going for right. a walk. You know, they're exactly. chilling out. And it's just a different environment, totally. a different lifestyle. That's why. Yeah. I, that's why I believe those physiques are very different. I, I agree. I agree. I, I just think that the only the only other adjunct into that, you're 100 percent accurate, um, is that a lot of guys are using super high levels of AIs. 
and those AIs are just, you get to a certain level and that's it. It just yeah. shuts it so down. So again, I'll share my experience. Sure. The one thing I did notice from AIs is like, if I use it for the last four weeks, it did bring in my lower body, like bring into my condition. I was known for having that great condition and uh, it, it did help to bring in the lower body, but I also accepted the reality like, you're gonna go all nice. right, I'm gonna feel like shit. Like you're gonna feel really bad. Um, so unless there's, you know, and again, do, did I need it was, was always right. the question. Like if I just kept pushing harder on the cardio and, and pushing harder on the diet and on the training, did I need it? I don't know, but that's what I did. Um, and Is I, it possible though that you were using some other partitioning agent that may have increased visceral body fat deposition like, at the same time? I mean, anything, I don't know. I don't know what you what, were using. What would improve, increase? Um, I mean, I don't know enough about anabolics, but like, you know, like a, a Trembolone or a Winstraw or something like that. Maybe, but I'm so specific to my lower body, not visceral fat, right? Yeah, but so, I mean, when you say lower body, like in the quad glutes, trunk region? Quads, glutes, uh, yeah. Okay, so in the glute ham tie-in right yeah, there is where yeah. you hold fat? Well, not necessarily. Like, I'm actually usually pretty lean in my lower half. But, I was going to say, I never saw you have but, any fat. <laughs> well, that's exactly it, right? So, like, I, I was kind of known for always having the striated glutes, and, I, and the AIs were a part of that. And I What tried, was your dosage of your AI? Uh, usually just a milligram of, of uh, aromacin may, uh, or Imidex, maybe twelve, uh, maybe two, um, maybe two milligrams. And that was a, every other day, daily. Okay. And man, but I could feel like oh, shit, yeah, and, and horrible, like right? I was, I was aware of it, but you know, being ignorant at the time, I didn't know that there was another option, right? I was like, oh, just that's what you do. And but see, I don't think you were ignorant because I, I want to address this. I'm so glad you brought this up. I think that at a bodybuilder's super physiological levels, and I don't care what the dosage is, I think it's almost necessary to not have all of the quote unquote you know water retention and the other things but you're right i mean what it also causes which you suffer from is horrific mm -hmm. yeah there's no doubt there's, there's decreased water retention and, and psychologically i think that plays a big role of right course. so right. i would notice that for sure yes. like yes i would lose pounds of water and, and a lot of guys better, say that in better. the therapeutic levels oh i'm on 0.25 twice a week and if i don't you know because there's diet sucks right, right? And, yeah, or genetics, right? Like Absolutely. some people are more prone to inflammation than others. Absolutely. So that's a big thing. And, and you know, man, that, that's just, that's the, the luck of the draw, man. Like yep. I just happen to be someone who holds more water. And Steve Kukul and I used to joke about it, right? He's a professional bodybuilder. Sure, and we used to joke about like, yeah, him and I are the water buffaloes. But when we pull the water out, it's like, wow, you know, you're right. crazy. But you're, you just hold a lot of water. That's just genetic. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a reality, but that's what we had to accept. I wish that we could, and maybe that's where we're going with this. We could fund a study. You know, over six months of a guy using, uh, you know, a microdose of an AI at a, you know, similar 150 to 200 milligrams therapeutic dose to testosterone versus a guy not and do all the things that you and I want to check for and then, you know, run it with a lesser dosage the next six months, right? So you go from like 0.25 to 0.0125 or something like that. And again, really track and assess all these different various um, cofactors and, and biomarkers to see. But Again, all I can go by is the research, and I know for a fact that even using a microdose to block estrogen is causing harm to biological systems. And we should mention this, because this is what's important, and this is what Dr. Komenarka is going to be talking about. And again, his lecture is titled, um, The Dangers of Estrogen Inhibition in Men on Therapeutic Testosterone. Dude, he does DEXA scans of these guys, and he's like, you can't even imagine. It's like 85-year-old men. Like with the visceral fat? No, with their bone density. Oh. Their bone mineral density is shot to shit. Really? Yeah. So, and these are guys on microdoses for five, 10 years, you know, he, and he's got all these, he's going to be presenting these at this stuff. So it's going to be a real land, you know, landmark, in my opinion, presentation. And he's a friend of mine and stuff like that, but he shared with me some of his research and it's pretty incredible. So again, even though you might be again, having symptom resolution from using the AI, it's still long-term, not good for you. 
there any natural supplements that are shown to help estrogen conversion? So, you know, DIM, calcium, deglucorate. Just for xenoestrogens, getting rid of them. Yeah, yeah I mean. Uh, but know, not necessarily conversions. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality, and, the, and there's a lot of guys that will debate this, but the reality is, is we already know we don't want to block estrogen, right? So if it's natural and you're using therapeutic levels, just not be fat. Mm-hmm live a, 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 a non-inflammatory lifestyle, you know? I and mean, we didn't even talk about that, but I mean, dude, you know this, and, and both of us are, we don't do this, but alcohol is a destroyer of worlds, right? Especially if you're trying to be optimized. I mean, that is, you talk about creating, you know, estrogen pockets or visceral body fat in the areas that you, you know, you're not wanting to have it, which is obviously for dudes is like in the belly and in the hips and the lower butt and stuff like that. But it's like, that to me is like kerosene. Yeah, no question, man. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I think everyone knows, but yet yeah, doesn't want to give it up. And uh, right. it is what it is. But I, I, I would say of my demographic listening, it's probably like the people who who drink once or twice a year. And right, but right. not definitely not. Heavy. I'm guessing most of them aren't heavy drinkers. So I did a podcast with James Swanwick recently, and he's the guy. Yeah, that, I know James really well. James is yeah. awesome, right? And he has that 60 day challenge, and he's told yeah. me he's like, Jay, I have so many guys that once they do it, they've never, they never go back. Never he's go like, back, it's yeah. mind blowing. So I would just say, you know, just to mention it, shout out to James. Yeah, shout out to James. 60- I'm wearing his glasses right now. I know. Twice. I, I have them too. I have the exact same ones. 60 days, try it. And, and he's always like, you know, try it for 30 days and see what right. happens. But if you go 60 days without drinking, he says that recidivism is like less than 1%. Totally agree. And I feel the same about social media. Like, <laughs> It's, it's well, Don't not that, going. yeah, not that it's gonna um, affect estrogen, but <laughs> it might. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but man, productivity when you stop that stuff is it, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and you're like, God, you don't realize. And I'm looking forward to reading that book. That shout you out to Cal Newport. Cal Newport, man, uh, Social Essentialism, I think it's called. Uh, that's definitely next on my list of I mean, uh, essential books. Dude, you and I were so like-minded. We got that Vulcan mind mail going on. But, like, there's no doubt. Like, I live my life according to my calendar. And we can talk about this to end the podcast if you want. But, like, if you're a man today and you're an entrepreneur and you're successful and progressive and, you know, you're, you know, dialed, you have to live your life with an avoidance of social media, right? Like, I have twice a day that I check my social media. That's it. It's 30-minute windows, Right. Like I'm lucky and fortunate and blessed enough now to have people helping me with my social media and stuff from that. But I still I'm like you. I still write my content. Um, and, and, and I do that, but I do it in a way that you're right. Like, you know, and, there, and you know, this, there's ways to block the noise. Right. You can put the Facebook blocker. You can you know, there's other blockers for other various social medias. And again, the whole Cal Newport, you know, uh, social media minimal, minimalism approach is like. Just have one social media that you're going to be influential on or that you're going to use. Stop trying to play a game where you're on everywhere. And if you mm-hmm. are big enough and you might be one of those people, have people doing it. Because yeah. you're right. It is such a distraction. And it takes us from our true purpose, which is, as you already very eloquently stated, to love or to give love and to be loved. It does. It just distracts us. Yeah. And you're right. I am producing my own content. And I, I for a long time, didn't wasn't producing or wasn't I was producing but not posting my own stuff. Um, so I was, noticed my productivity probably increased by 25 to 40 percent just because yeah. like you don't realize those little uh, micro interruptions right like right. we're like oh, I'm gonna check this like even if it's like I stop at a light and I check and like and, and that becomes a habit and that becomes you know I got to finish the loop of going back and chasing that and getting not to go down that path but yeah I am still producing my content and, and uh, I'm actually hiring some some people now uh, just hired some people for social and, awesome. and uh, looking always for great writers who love this content so anyone who's listening uh, if you love write, writing content and you love our con- my content uh, please reach out and we'll, we'll definitely looking for people to write great content uh, awesome. anyone who's a great contribution uh, one last thing I wanted to say that we didn't cover 
over on testosterone was uh, delivery systems. Just real quick. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. Thank yeah. you. We, and we, frequency of administration. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that. So it's a perfect way to segue it in this. Um, and I'm going to piss off a lot of people. And I know you have a ton of doctors that watch this, but it doesn't matter. Um, this is all about truth and transparency. The Jay Campbell and Ben Pakulski way. So there's only two right now. And again, everything can change. We're in the realm of the quantum, if you believe that, that all is possible. So the bottom line is that right now, the only two delivery systems that are foolproof, again, under the administration of a doctor who knows what they're doing and you as an informed patient, are injections and cream. And I have actually changed my stance on cream because of Dr. Keith Nichols and his brilliance. And again, he stole it from other people because it's, the research has been out there, just no one interpreted it correctly. You can now use testosterone cream on your testicles. And the statistical, again, data proves that it has an eight times better absorption rate right on the bottom of your scrotum than anywhere else on the body in human skin. So as I've been telling you about it, I switched from injections. I've been on you know, therapeutic testosterone injections for literally almost 17 years, about technically eight months ago now in the middle of summer last year i switched to the cream i haven't injected myself since then absolutely amazing um you know everybody's different right we're all biochemically unique but you know keith will say twice a day so morning take a shower put it on your you know testicles or bottom of your scrotum at night do it again now for me and you and i already talked about this like i don't even do it twice a day right like i feel amazing like this you know even keel again remember the twofold goal of optimization is happiness and balance if i want to get frisky with my wife we want to go away on a weekend we want to go somewhere exotic and get crazy or whatever then i'll put it on twice a day right and definitely enhances sexuality i want to talk about cream though because i get this question so many times um in comparison i'll get to injections in a second too about frequency and all that stuff but in comparison the only thing you're going to notice if you're an actual optimized guy who's been on therapeutic testosterone a long time is that you'll notice that cream will give you better sexual function and again it's simple right it's increase in dht it's right there right on the scrotum you get the the, the dht spike you know the dihydrotestosterone is eight times or seven times more androgenic um, and, and obviously, uh, then, and, and anabolic than uh, the, the testosterone molecule itself. So you're going to feel an, an, an heightened sensitivity to sex. Does that make you like have raging boners and want to have sex with everybody? No, of course not. But if you're in a monogamous relationship, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, it will definitely make you ready to roll a lot faster. You know, um, so that what's to the me, dosage with that, Jay? Great question. I was just going to say. That. So it's a 200 milligram per gram. There's two forms of the cream. It's Versa Base and HRT. Um, a lot of guys in the international community cannot get this, and that's a big problem. And if you're if you're a guy who uses quote unquote transdermal, which again is you know on the skin, which is what we're talking about, it can't be the gel. You cannot put gel on your nuts. It will literally burn, and you'll be like, ah. Oh. And I've, unfortunately, too many guys have gone down that path and learned the hard way. But the bottom line is, is that um, as more awareness of this delivery system, again, the 200 milligrams per gram cream, it's in a Versa base or HRT base. Almost every compounding pharmacy in the world knows it and they make it. It's very simple. You know, I could name them, you know, shout outs to some of the guys, obviously, uh, Empower Pharmacy in Houston, TaylorMade, obviously, in Lexington, Kentucky. There's others, uh, Wells. There's a bunch of them. But at the end of the day, just make sure you're not putting gel on your nuts and your doctor knows how to prescribe the right form. Again, 200 milligrams per gram injections. So in my book, when I wrote this, and again, obviously there's been two books. The first time we wrote the book, we knew that you needed to break the injection cycle up in a seven day period into two, right? And we do that because we know that the half-life of the molecule, regardless of the ester, and by the way, so many guys get confused on the esters. 
there's sipinate, there's anethate, there's propionate, and then of course in the European communities and international like Australia and stuff, there's sustenon, and then there's all these derivatives of sustenon. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, testosterone is testosterone when it's broken down. However, the half-lives are a little different, right? Propionate is the quickest half-life. It's somewhere between, again, no one knows, but it's somewhere between 28 and 42 hours. Anthate and sipinate are somewhere between 48 and 74 hours or 72 hours. So again, when you compare them side by side, they're still going to ultimately break down to the ultimate testosterone molecule in the bloodstream. So there's not that big of a variation depending on which one of those you're using. But this is what we know now that we aired in the first book and we, we fix this now. And it's even becoming more and more because more and more research is coming out. You need to inject a minimum. And again, this is testosterone optimization done right every other day. Okay, why? And you know this, but because you want your body to feel or simulate the, the injection as endogenous release, the pulsatile diurnal release of testosterone. So optimally daily injections are best, right? So a lot of guys now today are injecting, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20 milligrams a day, every single day. And some guys more, you know, some guys are 25, 35 milligrams a day, whatever. Another question that I get asked all the time, and, and there's no real right or answer to this, and you know I've asked a lot of doctors to you know commit to this on me. A therapeutic level, in my opinion, is done over 250 milligrams every seven days. Okay, so if you're on 300 milligrams a week of testosterone, I don't give a shit, right? But if if your doctor was ever called out on the court and you know showing that he's giving you 300 milligrams a week, he probably could be in trouble. Again, I, there's no rule, there's no fast or hard, you know, data points, but. When they look okay, at except blood in, levels. in the case of if you hey, I've been doing 200 for a while, my low levels are still low. Let's go to 300. Exactly, okay. and that's I was going to there, sure. and and that's what Keith talks about. You know what's important, and this is why Keith loves the cream, and you know puts most of his patients on cream. He'll do injections, and he's great with daily injections too. But again, remember we were talking about like there's no level. So let's say you go on the cream twice a day, and they test you. You might be at 3,500 testosterone. The average doctor who doesn't know what they're doing. Oh, you gotta cut your dough. Oh my God! Or sometimes they'll fire you. They'll freak out. And again, the doctors are afraid of being sued, and they don't want to be called up on the state medical licensing boards or any of that stuff because you know they see somebody with like a super aberrant, super physiological range. But the smart doctors, like Keith, and there's many other ones now, they'll see that and they'll be like, "Okay, what do you feel good? I feel great, doc. Okay. Well, then you're a hyper excreter, or you just are one of those guys that shows a you know a high spike variance. You know, if we tested you again 36 hours from now, you'd probably be at 700. Right. Right. So, again, that's it's such a nuanced world in this industry. You know, doing this right now that you really have to be with a prescriber slash provider who understands that. And I swear to God, Ben, and you already know this, and you probably got 50 guys in this gym right now that suffer this. You go to a clinic. They test your blood. They do it probably too quick or even sometimes too soon. You know, some guys crash the testosterone um, and the level is so aberrant. Then the doctor freaks out. He cuts your dosage in half and he increases the dosage of your AI. I mean, because most guys are on AIs, unfortunately. They're not, we're not there. Like, we haven't enlightened everybody yet. But, and then it just, again, it starts that whole vicious cycle. My final question. How do you feel about HCG? Ah, good question. Um, this is a difficult question. I've done some videos on this recently, and I've actually had some really, the world's top androgen researchers, a close personal friend of mine, his name's Dr. Scott Howell. I should connect you with him. He's brilliant. Um, he believes that HCG is completely useless. Now, when I say that, the caveat is, and I know you're probably on the same path as where we're going with this. If you're a man who's, I guess actually I should say if you're a man or a woman undergoing a sex change nowadays, right? <laughs> if you want to have children, then HCG or HMG, and by the way, 
HCG stands for human chorionic gonotropin, and HMG is human menopausal gonotropin. Again, they're fertility drugs. They actually come from women's urine. You need those drugs to stimulate um, luteinizing hormone, which ultimately will allow you to maintain uh, sperm motility and fertile, you know, retain fertility. So you need that, you know, concomitantly with testosterone if you do want to desire to have children and, and to maintain your ability to have children. Now, it's debatable, and you might even have a lot to say on this to finish this. It's debatable if a man doesn't use HCG and goes on testosterone for 15 years, you know, because he's on, you know, he's a world-class bodybuilder or whatever, and he's on super physiological levels, and then he wants to get off completely, go cold turkey and have kids. If he restarts, you know, a, a restart protocol with like HMG, HCG, and, and goes off testosterone for a couple months that he could have children. As you and I both know, there's tons of guys that have had done that and have had babies, right? So I personally am not, as a 18-year, almost 19-year now user of therapeutic testosterone, I think that HCG is completely worthless. Okay, and again, I'm past my fertility stages. I used it when I had two, my two daughters. So, and again, the reasoning is simple. We talked about it already. Testosterone in isolation to understand what is doing what inside your uh, endocrine system, and then also to control for any kind of, you know, aberrant patterns or perturbations that happen, right? So it's like, when you have a doctor who immediately wants to put you on some cookie-cutter, templatized version of TRT, TOT, whatever you want to call it, you got to say back to them, dude, why are you doing this to me? How are you going to know what's going to do what? what? How are you going to know this? What, how do you know? Again, I know this is advanced and this is sophisticated, but this is the truth. So it's like, I always say it, you know, try to find, not try, but find a, find a better doctor or at least have that intelligent conversation with them. Now, there are doctors out there. And I'll, you know, Dr. Jim Meeham is one of the guys in Midwest, and he's a very close personal friend of mine. He's on my round table, and he's a huge proponent of HCG, and he can give you... 40 paragraphs on all the biological reasons why you should stimulate your luteinizing hormone receptors in your body while you're on concomitantly testosterone and blah, blah, blah. But again, correlation does not equal causation. As a 19-year experienced testosterone user, I have never felt uh, HCG uh, additionally does anything for me but give me oral acne and cause imbalance. Again, because it's another signal spike of estrogen and testosterone. And if you're already controlled and you're dialed in with testosterone, why would you want to add something that's going to do the same thing? Got it. Jay Campbell, thank you, man. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you, Ben. It's an honor to be here, man. Appreciate you being here, man. Awesome. All right, ladies and gents, that's a wrap with Jay Campbell. Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation. We recorded this one live in the gym, in the studio in Tampa, Florida. Jay dispels a lot of myths, and hopefully you guys got a little bit of information on this. And as I said, don't take what he says as face value. Go talk to your physicians or do your own research, right? This is just the means of initiating a new conversation. I love to bring on people who are challenging your paradigm, who are challenging my paradigm, challenging my beliefs, uh, because that's the one thing that's going to allow us to start exploring new avenues and making new discoveries. And that's why Jay Campbell is on this podcast. Thank you very much to Jay for being part of it. Check out his book, TRT Revolution, and his website. Um, you can head over to Facebook and find him also, TRT Revolution. Jay's in there every day engaging, answering questions about testosterone replacement, about uh, anti-estrogens, about HCG. And as you hear, he's not a big fan of anti-estrogens. And to be honest, either am I, uh, which I may have mentioned in the podcast, um, it's definitely something that you want to consider if you are taking uh, testosterone consider talking to your doctor about getting off of your anti-estrogens. Most people have high estrogen not because they're taking testosterone, but because they're fat or because they're toxic. So address those things first, and all of a sudden, yeah, estrogen levels cure themselves up. Um, guys, have an amazing day. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share with one person who wants to live their greatest life in a body they love. 
And as always, head over to iTunes now and subscribe. What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Have a great day, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.